Welcome to FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's wellness, fitness, and endurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines along with Kevin Watt. We're brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. We can get you to your finish line by starting with us at TriJoy. Check out the link on the FitSpeak homepage. We're also brought to you by Wentings Mountain and Cycle and Mission. And here it is, it's early, it's the Wentings word of the week. Actually, two words this time, Team Kit. Mention Team Kit to Bruce, Elizabeth, Dylan, or Leah to collect your prize. Team Kit, it's just that easy. Coming up on this edition of FitSpeak, a look at the Chili Chase race results with Kevin Watt. We'll have our feature interview of the week with Brenda Brennan, our upcoming event schedule, our newest feature we're excited about, Bob's Bits. We have our fit tip of the week, but now here's Kevin Watt with some shout outs to some of our loyal listeners. Hey folks, how are ya? We've, uh, we've started a new segment. It is the shout outs and what we've been doing on the Instagram page at FitSpeak is we've been uh, posting videos and asking for likes and comments and we've been getting a lot of great um, feedback. So we'd like to do some shout outs to a few of the, uh, the people around the lower mainland here. Uh, Brat13, you've been uh, doing a great job. Uh, we want you to hang in there and keep doing what you're doing. Uh, Brat13 is also doing a blog, so you may want to check in and see what she's got to say. Abbey Trail Running Club, at Abbey Trail Running Club. These guys, amazing. Shout out to Carla, BO123, great, uh, great person. Remember to Breathe 2017. There's another one. She's uh, from the Lower Mainland. She's uh, active in Instagram. She's an active triathlete, I believe. At L. Bush. Here we go, gang. This young lady is the new rising star in the Lower Mainland for female cycling. Uh, folks, pay attention. Keep an eye out for this one. She's going to be a superstar. Ryan Slevin, at Ryan Slevin. This guy, he's great. Uh, he's from Maple Ridge. Represents his club, United Velo, really, really well. At Poco Bob. Poco Bob, I am so sorry. I've been creeping on your Facebook page and I've been posting your stuff because you do have really great, great stuff. Another group to follow is at Abbey Tri Club. They are the newest and latest, greatest triathlon club to hit the Lower Mainland. Uh, if you guys are looking for some solid training, hit these guys up. B. Wilkinson, 1608. This fella, he's a coach. You can look towards him for any advice and help. Uh, hit him up. Find him on Instagram. He'll be more than happy to help you out. I got one more really big shout out, and that's going out to at Zoom Runner. Now, this fella, he's from the Lower Mainland, uh, more specifically Abbotsford. He's been working behind the scenes with uh, at FitSpeak and uh, at Abbey Tri Club, and um, I just can't say enough great things about him. He's always there supporting. He's always got questions to be answered and helping me out, specific, especially when I'm in a pinch. And uh, I just wanted to give him a shout out and thank him very much. And I just want to say 
Yes, Zoom Runner, you will get a chance to run that half marathon later in the season, sub 130 all the way. And just a final shout out to uh, one of our listeners out in Calgary on the other side of the uh, Rocky Mountains, Pat L., who's now recovering from uh, a minor setback for a 10-time Ironman. And his goal now is to take a more sensible approach in returning to long course triathlon we might be looking for Pat's number 11 Ironman sometime in 2018. Even though right now the weather outside is pretty bad, you know things are eventually going to get better. When the snow does finally melt, you'll probably want to test that fitness that you've either built or maybe lost over our dark season. In this week's feature interview, we're speaking with Brenda Brennan from Abbotsford. She's the race director for the upcoming run to raise money and awareness for PTSD. So first of all, Brenda, could you tell us uh, when and where the run is taking place? So our run is going to take place at Mill Lake in Abbotsford off the Bevan entrance. I want to stress that on March 5th, Sunday at 10 a.m. come early and yeah and also one of the things that every racer wants to know is what is parking going to be like well the great thing about mill lake if anybody is familiar with the area is we do have numerous parking lots around the vicinity so we're going to have volunteers set up to kind of direct traffic from the full parking lots and move them kind of around the park and then at that point um, we'll be able to facilitate everybody to the main stage area which is going to be off the Bevan entrance. Okay tell us a little bit about the race I guess most people are going to be asking how much is it going to cost us? So we wanted to keep things really cheap this year. Um, so right now, up until February 20th, the registration amount on the Running Room web's website is $30. After February 20th, it's going to be considered late registration, and then it's going to go up to $35. And speaking of registration, um, for this race, do you have day of race registration? We don't. So if you do want to get in um, at the last minute, we do have on the Running Room website a final time of March 3rd at midnight, and that'll be the final for all registration. Um, tell us about the distances in the run. Well, we've kept that simple too. So basically we've just capped it at a 5K, but we've separated it into a walk slash run so we can really cater to all different participants. And this is in Abbotsford. You're saying it's at Mill Lake Park. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about the course? Is it flat? Is it fast? Are there any mountains we got to climb? Oh, no mountains, but definitely um, near the beginning, there is a bit of a hill, um, a bit of an incline that'll get you up into a uh, very treed covered area. Then you'll make your way down um, a set of stairs that's going to put you on flatlands the whole rest of the way. So it's going to be a pretty fast uh, way to hit the finish line. How does a person sign up for the race and give you that $30 or $35? If you go on the Running Room website and look up under races for the PTSD 5-kilometer walk run, if you punch that in, um, follow the links, it'll take you right to the registration for Abbotsford. And tell us now uh, about the motivation. So PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, what's your motivations for, for starting this run? So basically, 
it's for awareness. I am a corrections officer. That's what I do for a living. And just being in that over the last 10 years and seeing the things that I've seen and working within the challenges of the job, it's definitely as a first responder something that we really need to be recognized more and to help break the stigma when it comes to PTSD and hopefully be able to be recognized um, within the province legislatively uh, to definitely break down the barriers when it comes to occupational stress injuries that occur on the job. You're wearing a, a CSC hat today. Um, you're also wearing the hat of race director for the PTSD run. Um, what do you find some of the, the biggest challenges in, in being a race director? There's got to be plenty. <laughs> I think right now, and being that we just finished our last meeting that we're going to have before the uh, the final day for the run, um, is definitely just raising enough awareness for participants to join. There's so many different organizations that we are trying to cater to in the community that we really just need to find the best way of promotion. I think that'll be our biggest challenge and has been so far. And you've had pretty good cooperation from the community as far as setting up the race logistically? Yes, absolutely. We've been working with the city of Abbotsford, which um, because we had it set up last year uh, for our first inaugural run, it's been easy breezy in all honesty um, for the second one here. Um, and they've been in full support. And tell us about that. Um, you say it's your second run. About how many people did you have uh, racing last year? Last year, we were able to secure over 250 registrants. And how many would you like to see this year? Oh, I would definitely like to see a lot more than that. Okay, 250, a very good base point. Talking about the race itself, 30 or $35 to enter, where do those profits go now? This year, so last year we uh, raised uh, money for um, a totally different cause. This year we're aiming at the Honor House Society, which caters to first responders and providing assistance in regards to PTSD and other occupational stress injuries. Okay, thank you very much. Um, tell us once more time, uh, remind us how we can sign up for that race. Definitely. It's at www.runningroom.com. Just go um, into the search engine, look up PTSD 5K Walk Run. It's in Abbotsford, and just follow the links after that. And we'll also have a link on our fitspeak.com webpage. So after you finish listening to this podcast, if you want to just look down, it's going to be there. And it's also going to be on our links page. Uh, final question for Brenda. Your favorite place to go for coffee or tea here in the Fraser Valley? Any special hideout? Little Beetle in Chilliwack. Thank you very much. We'll, uh, we'll see if we can find that and turn some uh, listeners on to that. Well, here we go, race fans. You know what time it is. Just listen to that music. It's time for Mitchell Hudson's Vancouver Chili Chase overall half marathon winner results. In men's division, in first place, Malcolm Shores tearing up the track in a time of 1 hour 26 minutes, 19 seconds. And in second place, Werner Leftstrand blazing the trail in a time of 1 hour 27 minutes and 21 seconds. And in third place, Michael Prince rocketing in at an hour 27 minutes, 55 seconds. And with female top three overall, in first place, 
Marissa Ferraco blasting in at an hour and 39 minutes, 59 seconds. Not far behind her in second place is Catherine Short storming in at an hour, 41 minutes, 49 seconds. And in third place, number 25, Haley Huckaluck burning up the track in an hour and 44 minutes and 50 seconds. All right, Fitspeak listeners, the... Vancouver Chili Chase also featured a 15K uh, run. Uh, So for the winner's results for the men's division, in first place is Nicholas Bartel running a time of 58 minutes and one second. And in second place, Dave Stevens blasting in in a time of 58 minutes, 28 seconds. Third place... Nuno Fornilio, pardon me, my friend, uh, blasting in, of course, across the finish line in a time of one hour, two minutes, 49 seconds. In the women's top three division for the 15-kilometer Chili Chase run, first place is Lisa Rosetto, running a time of one hour, six minutes, 22 seconds. Not far behind her is, in second place, Marie-Pierre Blaise. My apologies if I pronounce that wrong. Uh, Coming in across the line at one hour, six seconds, six minutes and two seconds. And in third place, Avril Smatlan, my apologies again, crossing the line in a time of one hour, 11 minutes, nine seconds. In the overall for the female 10 kilometer run at the Chili Chase, we have our winner. Rachel Sanchez running a time of 46 minutes and 8 seconds. Not far behind her in second place is Mina Myong running a time of 48 minutes, 46 seconds, 46 minutes rather. And in third place, Avril Smatland crossing the finish line in 1 hour, 11 minutes and 9 seconds. And in. Uh, The Chili Chase also... Included the 10K race results for the men's group. Running in first place, Florian Samu in a time of 39 minutes, 26 seconds. Not far behind him was Michelle Hannigan. My apologies if I pronounce that wrong. Crossing the line in 39 minutes, 47 seconds. And in third place, oh, brace yourself, folks. I'm going to try hard on this one. Garuzi and O. Front to do. My sincerest apologies, my friend. He crossed the line in a time of 41 minutes, 35 seconds. Well done, guys. As we heard earlier in the program, coming up on Sunday, March 5th at 10 a.m., is the second annual PTSD run in Abbotsford. It's a five-kilometer run at Mill Lake Park. It's $30 to enter now. Click on the link at the bottom of this page to sign up. Staying with running, this time out in Maple Ridge, we want to remind you of the new free running club to join. Michael and Victor invite runners of all abilities to come out and get fit together with the Golden Ears Running Club. To get the details of this week's run, click on the link at the bottom of our page. 
Starting up in Mission at the Leisure Center on February 21st is a class for you if you're just getting into exercising. It's called the Interval Training Slash Yoga Class and it features, you guessed it, a combination of some high intensity exercises for your core strength along with the rest of your body. And then a gentle 20 minute yoga session to give your muscles and mind some healthy recovery. It's the missionleisureguide.ca for times and prices for that. Finally, in Fort Langley, one of our favorite runs of the season is the Fort Langley Historic Half, 10K, 5K, and Kids Run. This one's coming up quickly, less than two weeks away, on Sunday, February 18th. Click over to tryevents.ca to get more information on that one. One of the cool things about being involved in endurance sports and having your own podcast is that quite often you get a chance to meet some of your heroes or folks who have done heroic things. In the next few months you'll be introduced to many of them from the worlds of long distance biking, swimming and running. One of the pioneers and historians of the sport is Bob Babbitt. Bob is one of the original people who did the Ironman race when it was just some small, silly thing being run on the Big Island of Hawaii in the early 1980s. But being one of the original and crazy Ironman isn't the only reason Bob Babbitt is in the Ironman and American Triathlon Halls of Fame. He's also one of the people behind the highly successful Competitor Magazine and Rock and Roll Marathon series. He's also responsible for raising over $80 million for charity as the founder of the Challenged Athletes Foundation. In the next few episodes of Fitspeak, we'll be spending some time listening to the stories and the ideas of Bob Babbitt and his ideas on the sport of triathlon, the business world, and the game of life. And the fact that Bob uses Pop-Tarts as part of his race fueling strategy is just a bonus. We call this series Bob's Bits. And in our first installment, Bob tells us about growing up in the 1960s as a kid in Chicago and what drew him west to what would be the first triathlon mecca, San Diego. So Bob, first of all, growing up in Chicago. Uh, 1960s, 1970s, any early sporting heroes that you really idolized or uh, used as role models? You know, I was, a, I was a big baseball fan, and back then, obviously, we could go to Cubs games and take the L, and we'd go down to the games on the train, which was really fun. I loved, uh, you know, Bernie Banks, Billy Williams, all, all the guys from, from my era, but I actually was more of a St. Louis Cardinal fan because I could listen to those games at night on my, my little transistor radio under my pillow and listen <laughs> to Jack Buck and Harry Carey, the early announcers. Mm. I just loved the energy they brought to the game. So those guys were sort of more my heroes than the players themselves. I just loved listening to the banter and how they, how do you fill you know, two and a half, three hours of dead air with you're just watching a guy who's standing, scratching, <laughs> adjusting his hands on the bat. I mean, I, I thought that was a real art. Man. That impressed me early on. Okay. Um, you asked this question to a lot of people. Um, early high school sports, were you one of those crazy steeplechase people that you uh, respect and admire so much? Actually, I was, I was the guy who was not really very good at anything sport-wise, but I was sort of the guy who organized everything. Huh. So, in my, and obviously this is before cell phones, which would have killed me back then. So I would go to your house and say, "Hey, Jimmy, we're going to play. We're going to play baseball." And uh, he goes, "Who else is playing?" 
well, I got Ronnie and Johnny and, and Dennis, and they're all coming. Of course, I hadn't talked to any of those guys yet. So, but once I got him to commit, then I'd go to the next door and say, hey, so that that was more my thing. I was the guy who organized all the games, and we played baseball and football and basketball. Just rotated with the seasons. In terms of high school sports, yeah, I was pretty crappy. I, I was really small. I was like four foot eleven, ninety eight pounds. So wrestling was like the one thing I could do, but I wasn't very good at it. So I was more the not sports in school, but the guy who was organizing the sports and playing the sports at home. Any brothers or sisters who kind of pushed you into sports or held you away from it? Any parents' influence? You know what? My, my, my brother was 10 years older. He was 10 years older than me. And really, he was already, by the time I was uh, you know, in my 6th, 7th, 8th grade, he was already off in college. Uh, my sister was four years older, was doing her thing. So I, you know, we, being the youngest, I sort of had full reign to do whatever the heck I wanted to <laughs> And so I was sort of, you know, by the time I was 15, 16, I was already coaching the kids in the neighborhood, the younger kids. and Baseball? Baseball, basketball, okay. all that type of stuff. So yeah, and, and some of those kids I coached back then are, are still close friends to this day. And you graduated from high school in Chicago? A uh, place called New Trier, which was um, north, we were in the north shore. So I lived in Wilmette, went to school in, in uh, Winnetka. Actually, our high school was the school they used in the movie Risky Business. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so went to New Trier and graduated in 69, uh, then went to University of Illinois and graduated in 73, and had no idea what I was going to do for, uh, you know, for a living. I came back to Chicago, back to outside of Chicago and worked. Uh, with resident in a residential treatment center with emotionally disturbed kids. For oh wow! Years. My job was to mainstream kids into Boy Scouts and, and Little League and things like that. The kids, I mean, we had this gamut of kids. That you know, I had one kid who had shotgun his brother to death. Yeah. I had another kid who had thrown a bike off a, 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 a roof of a building and killed somebody. And it was it was. Uh, very much of a burnout type of job because you had you basically had a prison cell in each each of these cottages. Was, these were the hardest. It's almost like when they built Alcatraz mm -hmm. because we're the hardcore of the hardcore. Well, this was kids who didn't make it in foster care, didn't make it um, in obviously their own home, and they were institutionalized. So this was uh, you know, this residential treatment center, and the state had to pay at that time like $50 a day per kid to be in this residential treatment center. So they would keep trying to put these kids in cheaper locations, oh. put them in foster homes, and it never worked. So these, because these kids were, had been abused. The, the worst part about the system is a kid, it's a child, and here you've got a dad burning them with cigarettes, or you've got a, a, a mom who's never home and the child's on their own, and what happens? The kid gets taken away and put away. Not their fault. Yeah, the parents just, doesn't happen to them. No, they're still there. Yeah, so the child always feels that they did something wrong. Yeah. Home is the panacea, even though home was, was awful. You know, those people, their parents were awful for them. So yeah. from there, uh, after a couple of years there, I decided my sister was teaching school in San Diego. And oh, I oh so I really your sister was here already? My sister was oh, okay. here. And I came and I actually interviewed at residential treatment centers and schools up and down the West Coast and uh, realized that I got, oh, I got a job offer in San Diego, a place called the Children's School, which was basically right near where our club meeting was last night. Oh, wow. That same little complex. 
and decided that um, I was going to take a job as at a private school. And you know, being from uh, being from Chicago, they gave me a tour of the school, and I'm, I'm like, well, I'm going to run a PE program here. Where's the gym? They're like, there is no gym. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what are you doing? It rains. <laughs> well, we don't get that much rain. So I was there eight years. And I think I was rained out one day a year, wow. basically for eight years. So it was it was really eye opening to me, and I just fell in love with the fact that you could be outside every day. And This fit tip is for those of us who are long distance cyclists, runners, and triathletes. If you've ever seen pictures of former pro cyclist Michael Rasmussen or top marathon runner Robert Chariot, you know that muscle bulk, uh, especially in the arms, does not play a major factor in being fast on the road. But a properly developed body does provide the vast majority of us average athletes with a sound underpinning for the rest of our athletic pursuits. In his book Fast After 50, author Joe Friel contends that if you want to be highly fit, focus first and primarily on your sports-specific muscles. For a runner or a cyclist, that focus is going to be on your legs. But if you're a triathlete, you're going to be swimming as well. And that means working your arms. And the primary muscles to move you through the water during the front crawl is your lats, according to Mission Master Swimming Coach Ryan Clifton. Now getting into the weight pit doesn't necessarily mean putting on bulk, and this is something that some female athletes may be concerned about. The idea is to work out those sports-specific muscles, whether they're the hamstrings for runners or lats for triathletes, and to get them strong, but not necessarily big. When you're starting out, the best advice I'd give is to start with light weights that you can lift with proper form. Master those lifts, whether those are lat pulldowns or hamstring curls or any other lift. Gradually add some more reps and once you feel you've plateaued, add a bit more weight. Not only is a stronger body overall going to help you become faster and give you more durability, especially in those latter stages of your race, it will also help you in your day-to-day -day routines as well, whether it's picking up your two-year-old off the floor or loading your hatchback with groceries at Costco. And of course, a well-defined trim and toned body looking back at you in the mirror can do a lot for your self-confidence. Maybe that was something else that Michael Rasmussen was lacking. If you're looking for a series of lifts to get your weightlifting routine started, just look over at our brand new Fit Tip of the Week links page. The information is right there for you. And that's it for episode number eight of Fit Speak, the Fraser Valley's wellness, fitness, and endurance sports podcast. We're brought to you by Wentings Mountain and Cycle. Remember, the Wentings word of the week is Team Kit. Also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. You can get personalized triathlon coaching. Just click on the link on our FitSpeak homepage. We'd like to thank Brenda Brennan. Remember the PTSD run coming up in March in Abbotsford. We'd also like to thank Bob Babbitt from Babbittville. And we'd like to thank you for listening. Bye for now.